Business Prime Headlines is brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. We are a home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. And this is Joe News Prime with me, Samuel Kojo Brace. In our headlines, uncertainty hangs over the fate of cocoa bill holders as they are unsure when cocoa board will pay them their maturing bills. We'll tell you the chilling story of one of the bill holders who says the unpaid coupons are straining his life. Being easy. It's not been easy. My, I've got a kid in school, uh, in the university. And uh, I have medical bills I have to take care of. We have the house I have to take care of. And it, it's not been easy. In this bulletin, we would examine the impact this has on Cocoa Board and the economy of the country in general and the road, the Securities Exchange Commission in all of this. Now, also, we are not aware of any contract awarded to SML, Petroleum Commission, and its sister agency, Minerals Commission, say they play no role in the award of controversial good production sector revenue assurance contract to strategic mobilization Ghana Limited. A month after government forced many Ghanaians to link their Ghana card to their SIM cards with a promise to flush out scammers and fraudulent activities, many Ghanaians continue to reel from the menace. At 8 p.m., we'll bring you Prime Business with Emma Davis. And government meets euro bondholders in London on Monday to restructure $13 billion of debt. That is about 25.1 billion, uh, which in the euro bond is about 13 billion or so. So maybe um, a third of it. It hasn't been done. Um, uh, we really hope that um, uh, we will. And later at 8.30, Razak Musbao will come away with transports. We came to Ivy Coast not for a visit, but to do well. That's Black Stars for Jordan and you as he assures of the team's commitment to deliver positive results in the game against Egypt. We ourselves personally, we want to perform, we want to perform this time. We didn't just come here just to, to visit Abidjan, we came here to, to perform well. We are on DSTV Channel 421, Go TV Channel 125, around the world on myjoyonline.com. Thanks for choosing us. Please stay. Join News Prime Headlines was brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Many hospitals in Ghana face issues related to outdated infrastructure, inadequate facilities, and a lack of essential medical equipment. This hampers their ability to provide efficient and quality healthcare services. The first episode of our latest series, Sick Hospitals, will focus on the situation in San Dema. We have a sense. 
So can't you see? On these and puppies of sweat, you know they beat me like the ice to your chest. So can't you see? It is an ultimate walk of shame for any visitor to the San Dema Hospital in the Bulsan North District of the Upper East Region. If you are blindfolded, dumped here in the corridor, and the cloth is pulled from your eyes, you could never guess that this place is a hospital. The walls are dirty and the paint almost peeling off. The ceiling is moldy, greenish-brown and rotting away. The corridors are dark and dingy. The medical superintendent of the hospital, Dr. Imanolo Poku, is unhappy with the state of the hospital. But he's also very worried about the safety of nurses and patients because of the gaping cracks in the walls. When it rains, almost all the walls leak, including the medical suit's office. And uh, during raining seasons, it makes uh, seeing patients very difficult because sometimes you need to get to a safe place to cater for the patient. And uh, we'll be grateful if you can get help. As the head of the facility, he walks with a new steam to show the dangerous state of the facility. A substantial and alarming crack traverses the length of the wall, extending from floor to ceiling. So th- this, this was formerly used as a dispensary, uh, but because of the nature of the cracks, they have to move to the other side. Every part of the almost 94-year-old hospital leaks badly. Why are you still working in a place that you don't feel safe? And if I ever had an accident or something happened to me and I need to visit the hospital immediately, this is where I'll be rushed to. I will just quickly rush into uh, the consulting room one to see exactly what is happening there. This room is where patients receive care from doctors and physician assistants. But a cursory glance shows the room is not hospitable. Just like the corridor, the walls are crying for a fresh coat of paint. The leather upholstery of the chair for patients is badly torn, exposing a dirty brown cushion. The state of the furniture is so bad that you would rather consider standing to receive diagnosis. The floor tiles are broken, weak and unsafe. The sick hospitals air set tomorrow on the Joy News Channel. Please do make it eight. Now, the fate of some cocoa bill holders who decided not to participate in the government of Ghana's cocoa bill exchange program hangs in the balance as they are unsure when cocoa board would pay the maturing bills. They are demanding Cocoa Board honest payment of the bills before the close of January. They say the inability of government to pay them their money is affecting their livelihood. James Asia invested Echikwam, one of the Cocoa Bill holders, and has come through with this. January 2023, money paid to investors who purchased Cocoa Bills on maturity were withdrawn from individual investors' accounts without their consent. Cocoa Board issued the bill to raise funds. Many had bought the bills expecting to be paid back their monies with interest on Thursday, January 19, 2023. 
Reports from some fund managers indicated the monies were actually paid on Thursday, January 19, 2023, only to be reversed on Friday, January 20, 2023. The banks have pointed to a directive from the Bank of Ghana ordering them to unilaterally roll over the bonds without first seeking the consent of investors. Banks were under pressure from affected customers. Echikwam, a retiree, was one of the affected customers. He expresses shock at the development since the money was rolled over without his consent. I worked for 35, 36 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started at GB Olivant and then went to Unilever. Then I went to Unilever in Zimbabwe. Then I came back to Guinness in Ghana. Worked for a short time. They asked for the investments. One can say I've been investing for a, a while. Uh, treasury bills, yeah, uh, fixed deposits, and all those things. And uh, it's only recently that we took the cocoa. Six months after the Ghana Cocoa Board launched a debt securities exchange program under which it invited holders of its short-term debt securities or the cocoa bills to voluntarily offer to exchange their cocoa bills. Cocoa bills holders were asked to sign on to the exchange program, but Ichikwam opted out. Uh, as part of our, my retirement, I got a certain amount and I put it there. Uh, if I were uh, uh, in another place, and then they came and made another proposal to us, which was interesting. So we moved our funds, funds there, uh, and uh, we were supposed to enjoy our benefits plus our initial capital in uh, June, January, January 20. Yeah. That is was in 2001, 2023, yeah, 2023. So we were waiting. Then we had some hints that something was up. So we wrote to them and said, look, sell our thing and give us back our investment. Okay. And uh, they said they would try. So come uh, the payment time, I saw that the money had been credited to our account in the morning. Before I could say Jack, it had been debited again. So we were rather surprised. And apparently this debt, uh, uh, recovery program had been launched. So we didn't know what was going on. Almost six months after, no communication on the payment for those who decided not to tender. Echikwam and wife, amongst others, are worried why government and cocoa board are failing to honor payment of those who failed to tender their cocoa bills after government pegged the participation in the exchange program at 97%, with over 7 billion Ghana cities bills tended. We have been extremely successful with the current tendering of more than 90% for cocoa bills of 7.9 billion cities and US dollar exchange of 809 million dollars. And detailed announcements will flow through when the settlements are done. According to Gifty Kwam, 
wife of Echikwam, footing the bills of their ward in the university has been very difficult. I think it's, it's morally wrong. And in fact, it's legally unacceptable. You know, I mean, the trauma even to um, our children who have to even go through all kinds of things and explanations. It's not right because they know their parents and they know we planned for them. You know, so I'm begging the ministry to pay us our money. That's all. It's our money. You rolled it over without our consent and with your own interest rates. Fine. You give us our money back. Give it, give it to us. That's all we're asking. It's not right to keep it. The family is in total disbelief and wants their monies to be paid or a communication from the Cocoa Board or the Finance Ministry. <laughs> well, it's not been easy. It's not been easy. My, I've got a kid in school, uh, in the university, and uh, I have medical bills I have to take care of. We have the house I have to take care of. And it, it's not been easy. So every month we try and see what we can do, but it has not been easy. And uh, yeah, that, that's it. It has not been easy. So that's why we keep going to them to try and get them to tell us if anything is going on, you know. But uh, we don't get any proper feedback. Mm. I know you are not the only one being affected by this, but do we have other groups who are also complained about a similar situation? Well, really, I, I... Yes, there are other people also going through this. I know there are... I don't want to mention names, but there are other people who are going through similar challenges. I know some people have died because of it. I know some people who are very sick. I, I, I know a lot of other people but this one is you have to cry for yourself because the way it has been done you, 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 we don't get together like the previous guys got together to stay their demonstration and all that because really we don't know ourselves it's a very stressful situation to go through at this time when my husband is on retirement and, and actually not that well you know is there a joint investment between you and your husband or is it just yes it's, it's his um, investment plus mine put together which we invested there and you know we looked for the best option because it's a, like a pension staff we looked for something that has zero risk and at the time I mean who would have thought that cocoa bills will have issues cocoa bill holders just like the crumbs family ask him for an update on payment for those who decided not to tender their cocoa bills james Hitchens report for joy business well lead data analyst here i join you isaac coffee aj joins me to do with more on this particular story and all of this issue surrounding the cocoa bills coffee when was this launched and you know how long did it take for the government to reach an agreement with this uh, uh, we are talking about between uh, July 2023 and September 2023 mm. uh, that holders of the cocoa bills, we should know that these are not bonds. This, in fact, is the only treasury bill because it's a short-term instrument that was included in the whole domestic debt exchange program. All other T-bills were excluded. Now, if you look at the total amount involved, we were talking about 
you know, some uh, 7.7 billion Ghana cities that the government, 7.9 billion cities that the government earmarked for restructuring. Mm. And when they were done, uh, they, they realized that, I mean, if you look at the next slide, the participation rate was so high mm. that you, you see a participation rate of about, you know, uh, 97. Uh, that was actually the highest. Okay. Uh, if you look at it, it was around 97%. And so if you strike the difference, then there you go, 97.4%. For the cocoa uh, bills. For the cocoa bills, mm-hmm. 7.9 billion EMR for restructuring. Uh, 7.7 billion went into the restructuring. So we are talking about some 200 million Ghana cities that did not go into the restructuring process. Mm-hmm. And we believe that that is where Mr. H. Equam's money actually is. Mm-hmm. They refuse to participate in the restructuring. And we understand that government made this whole exercise voluntary yeah. that if you can participate do it and remember it's exactly a year ago mm-hmm. that the bank of ghana i think they were they instructed the commercial banks to pay uh, exactly those who are holding retailers to pay the, the the bills and people are saying these are these are not bonds these are treasury bills so mm-hmm. imagine what can happen if those who are actually now rushing to buy T-bills when the rate is as high as 29%, 30%, some day to come, you, you are called to come for exchange, to come and exchange your, your, your bills. That's if we'll get there. Exactly, because just like he said, this is a 0% risk. We all know in economics class, business class, you are told that government instruments, they come with low risk. Yeah. And for a pensioner like him to buy, I don't know the amount he bought, but you could see that the magnitude in the is huge and it has affected him. And even if you got the portfolio that did not go into the restructuring process, 200 million Ghana cities is such a huge amount of money. They were enjoying some around, you know, 15, 13% uh, on, on their coupons. And that should tell you how significant uh, the debt is. And in, in fact, if you take away the Bank of Ghana that participated 100%, the cocoa bills in terms of the participation rate was the highest in the second round of the domestic desertion program. Interesting. All right, so that's, uh, you know, Isaac Kofi-AJ. Now, during the time of exchange, we know that, you know, there's some seven point, over seven billion mm. cities that was involved. Absolutely. In now, Kokobo declined comment on this issue when joining reached out to them. But my colleague, Elton Brobe, has been digging on this subject and joins me via Zoom with more. Elton, what are you learning on the subject? So what we've been trying to do all afternoon is of the claims by uh, Mr. Echukwam and the family about why uh, Cocoa Board is, you know, refusing to pay them either the principal or the interest that have accrued on their investment. Now, what we've been told is that Cocoa Board launched a debt security exchange program to restructure about 7.9 billion cities. Now, under this program, Cocoa Board invited holders of the short-term debt securities, that's Cocoa Bills, to voluntarily offer to exchange their Cocoa Beans for longer-term debt securities with averagely lower coupon rates. Now, holders of Cocoa Bills, whose offer, according to Fubisha Pekin, were accepted by Cocoa Board, received five new bonds, which would mature in 2024, and I'm told that the first maturity will be in March 2024, uh, some two months away. And then there's 2025, 26, 27, and 2028, with the hope that by 2028 they will have resolved 
this matter once and for all. The new bonds, according to the information you are getting from Google Board, comes at a coupon rate of 13%. Now, they say that the successful completion of this aspect, aspect of the domestic debt exchange program was very crucial to the country's quest to restore debt sustainability, which became critical component of the IMF program. Now, as per the IMF methodology, as was explained in their staff report published in May 2023, Cocoa Board bills were included in the public debt remit and contingent liability on government debt profile. Now, remember also that the chief executive of Cocoa Board, Joseph Boahenedu, in a letter said the objective of the Cocoa Bills Exchange will reduce the excessive burden created by short-term Cocoa Bills and put Cocoa Board on a path of financial sustainability in line with targets defined by the IMF staff uh, you know, arrangement. So, uh, to alleviate the debt burden of Cocoa Board in the most transparent, efficient, and expedited manner, this debt exchange program, according to them, became very necessary. So, uh, more like the burden sharing that government announced at the start of the decision program this is what they're saying is that in march in two months time 2024 uh, in two months they will start the payment of monies that are due for people whose uh, bills are matured let's bring in a financial consultant on this uh, development richard uh, richmond kwame frimpon is the advisory board chair of the financial literacy africa and he joins us on the telephone line for more on this grateful for joining us sir how can holders of cocoa bills seek redress right thank you um so this is a bit um unfortunate because um at the moment there is a lot of effort going on to correct the difficulties and the liquidity challenges that the entire financial sector um, experienced during the DDEP. And you, if you have followed the news, we are just on the verge of closing out on the external um, creditors so that the second tranche can happen. And the bond market is just about picking up from the difficulties it experienced in terms of secondary and trading and all. And that patient and made it a bit more challenging for people to even believe in investing. So we notice that the the focus on trading bills lately has increased. Now, if Cocoa Board um, is challenged as an issue and in this particular instance, um, Cocoa Board is unable to honor those who truly did not accept to do the exchange. I mean, if you look at the equation of those that were successful and those that were not, you notice that those that did not tender in were largely retail investors. And the amount is possibly less than 4 5% of the total bills that were exchanged. People who did investment have a way out. I think they should be able to petition um, either the Bank of Ghana or the Security Financing Commission mm. um, about the potential default. Okay. We understand that they've petitioned the SEC, but SEC is, is dragging its feet on this matter. Is there any way out for them? Well, the, the quite unfortunately, next time it will be legal because then 
it will be another default situation. And um, it's true that the, the issue may not be directly um, central government, but because Cocoa Board is a public institution, and usually even the issue through the central bank, um, it has implications even on, on government default ratings um, by some of these uh, debt um, rating agencies. So I think if we are not careful and it becomes legalistic, and these people take on the legal arm, it may change our region negatively and okay. even affect our state as a country. All right. More to come then. Grateful for joining us, Richmond Kwame Frimpong there. Now, we are not aware of any contract awarded to Strategic Mobilization Ghana Limited, SML, an offshoot of a timber company to undertake revenue assurance services in the oil and gold production sector for the government. That's the position of two regulatory bodies, the Minerals and Petroleum Commissions. Now, on the part of the Minerals Commission, it says, quote, it did not play any role in the award of the contract, unquote, to SML. Chief Executive Martin Kweku AEC, in a response to a right to information request from the investigative journalist Manasseh Azure Awine of the Fourth Estate, who led the SML investigation, also said the commission does not have any report of losses resulting from the deliberate or accidental calculation as far as revenue in the mining sector is concerned. Joining us is Michael Ashley, uh, has more details on it, but we have Blaise Soga with a copy of response from the Petroleum Commission and the queries raised and the responses so far. Blessed, the Office of the Special Prosecutor has issued a quarterly report. It provided an update on its work on the SML scandal. Do we? Well, uh, the Office of the Special Prosecutor has actually commenced some investigations into the uh, contractual arrangements between Strategic Mobilization Ghana Limited, a company registered in Ghana, and also the Ghana Revenue Authority for uh, the stated objective of enhancement of revenue assurances in the downstream petroleum sector. Now, we know uh, that uh, that also includes the upstream production uh, sector as well, issues relating to minerals and mineral resource value chain, which is part of the contract that was awarded. The initial investigations is also based on a complaint filed on the 18th of December uh, 2023 by the Fourth Estate, which was led by Manasseh Azuri and the team that produced uh, the documentary. So, so far, these are the details that we are learning on this agreement between SML and uh, the Ghana Revenue Authority and the status at which the investigations of the OSP is at currently. The KPMG audits, the two-week period the president gave them to carry out the work has elapsed. Now, our sources are also telling us that uh, KPMG is yet to actually submit um, a managerial report to the president. We do understand that there's uh, more work to be done, and also uh, we are reliably informed that they have asked for an extension of time to allow the company extend uh, their uh, work. So, so far, that's the detail we have on uh, whether or not uh, KPMG is done with their audit. All right. My colleague, Michael Ashley, joins me via Zoom with more from the responses. Now, Michael, let's start with the background to this contract. Michael, I, I wanted to, to, for, you to, for you to start with us on the background to this contract. So, I mean, this is about the SML uh, agreement that the Fourth Estate investigated into to reveal some very 
uh, you know, some, some grave findings about a new contract that the company had been given uh, to ensure that they deal with uh, revenue losses in the mining sector as well as the upstream petroleum and gas sector. That brought a lot of issues. And the president uh, caused the, the, the contract to be suspended and ordered KPMG to, to conduct an investigation into this. And they've come up with, uh, they've asked for more time, but the OSP has also gone into it. Now, the Minerals Commission, as well as the Petroleum Commission, have all come up with information in, 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 with, with regards to this because the investigative journalist, Manas Azurawini, required them to provide some information. They've all said that they are not aware of this contract uh, between uh, the GRA and uh, the SML. Now, um, my colleague Michael Ashley has joined us via Zoom with some details. Michael, start with us on the background to this contract. So, Grace, we know that the SML contract was awarded to the company by the Finance Ministry and the Ghana Revenue Authority and entitles SML to more than $100 million every year for the duration of the contract. Now, the GRA explained that the contract is for five years. Okay. And the contract has since been suspended for about two weeks ago uh, by the President uh, Akufuado and appointed an international audit and accounting firm, KPMG, to audit the contract and submit a report in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, the Minos Commission, uh, you know, has been responding to this. What have they been telling the Forte State? So, Grace, let me start by reminding you that the Minos Commission is, uh, has been charged by law to do this sort of work. Now, it is in government, it is the government agency with the primary responsibility of developing and coordinating mineral sector policies and monitoring their implementation. So, in effect, any such contract must come to its attention somehow. The Ford Estate wanted to know if they were, they were aware of the contract since it falls under their ambit. Now, in terms of what was written to them and their response, this is exactly what we know. So, uh, they tell the Ford Estate that well, they do not have any reports uh, of to deliberately or accidentally calculate the revenue, good revenue, as they have been asked about. Mm. Again, the Minerals Commission says they do not play any role in the award of the contract. The commission tells us that what they do want to take, undertake regular or special audit from time to time as per its mandate to deal with such issues, and they do not collaborate it. Uh, they do, I beg your pardon, collaborate it other government or public institutions to also do that. It goes on to give us some more response. It says that, or as indicated earlier, the Minerals Commission together with other state agencies also work to do some audit into the sector that falls within their purview. Mm-hmm. The government has the authority or power to commission audits at any time to deal with such matters. The Petroleum Commission says should be in the position to answer that as a question specifically referring to the Petroleum Commission. I would be grateful if for the state can reach out to the chief executive of the Petroleum Commission and vet some of those from them. Mm. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Michael Ashley. So those are the responses from the Minerals Commission and the Petroleum Commission as well. This is still the Johnny's Prime. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more. Do Across Africa, a new era has begun. 
shifting our focus to a new horizon, connecting us with the one purpose to create and share opportunities to grow. tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. In life, you sometimes seem to be cruising along. But just when you least expect it, things could go horribly wrong. Leave nothing to chance. Let Geico Group help you achieve your goals with customized solutions for life and general insurance, healthcare and finance. Glyco, we cushion you for life. We are the university with 26 years of excellence in education now in Ghana. We are both the university offering degree programs in health information management, software engineering, network security and computer forensics. Admission is in progress with up to 50% scholarships for the first 150 students. Locate us at East Ligon near ANC Mall. Call 0302-523782 or WhatsApp 020-990-4714 for more details. Both the university, vibrance, innovation. Across Africa, a new era has begun. Shifting our focus to a new horizon, connecting us with the one purpose to create and share opportunities to grow. brighter tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it falls down into spoilers. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. 
Syntex gives you the biggest warranty. Seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Apa! Apa! Simapscan and we promo. Brilliant no winya points. Points no na wudibetu miyajia. Chet yet to say. Mobile airtime. Walking gear. Shopping vouchers. Cement. Motorbikes. Asasi. Block machines. Enya chet yet to Se wo points ni dura chet yet to penwa. Enwa ni se wo claim wo apnos. Minya. Minya luzo. Koswana skane. Na simaf scan and win promo idea. Obia ye winna. Se nansu se. Wo abos me miyansan. A wudibet build wo points. En se check. subscribers call on government to initiate a promise protection against fosters after many have fallen victim to scams government's effort to combat the rising tide of mobile money fraud requiring users to compulsorily link their sim cards to your ghana cards was hailed as a move to curb fraudulent activities that have become a growing concern in the mobile money sector it was expected that tying each sim card to a verified identity could thwart fraudulent activities protect users and maintain the integrity of financial transactions. In the following feature, Michael Asen reports that the Momo fraudsters continue to prey on the unsuspecting public. Oh, money fraud has now become so pervasive. The motive is varied, but the bottom line is to get money from you. These deceptive schemes often commence with a seemingly ordinary text message, characterized by glaring grammatical errors. Spelling errors and poor construction in fraudulent messages might just be a deliberate strategy employed by cyber criminals. When you see the bad spelling, it is not as if we can smell. Dr. Kenneth Ashigbe, the chief executive officer of the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications, suggests that the use of poor grammatical constructions by the fosters is just an attempt to circumvent their new artificial intelligence-enabled system. The confirm, maybe the R that is there, they will make it an S. They will change a few of the things in there so that once... The AI is crawling it. He sees it. It's not what it is that he's looking for. So, but fortunately for us now, we're beginning to use AIs. So what the AIs do is that once they see all of this, they learn. So they start seeing the spelling mistakes that you want to beat them. Other times, these fosters will call you with promises to lure you to send them money. Hello, why are Rose and Okwe have been victims of cyber fraud. And when they called me, they said they've sent me some amount of 400 setters. So I should check by dialing my PIN. So then I was very curious. The moment I just dialed my PIN code, they just took the money. 
And later on, I called them to beg them that, please, the money was for something important. They should send the money back to me. But they refused. And I called MTN. MTN told me they would get back to me. But nothing. Now, they pose as agents of some of the mobile networks under the guise that you were a lucky winner of a draw. I'm Linda Ophori. Our calls are recorded for education and training purposes. So for detailed understanding, are you okay with the English or should I speak to you in any local language? Oh, but you are already communicating in English. From enticing phone calls promising rewards to posing as mobile network agents, the aim of the scammers is simple. Extract your personal information and use them to later impersonate you. So please, um, I would like to confirm your AC numbers. Please, what are your AC numbers over there? What number? Haven't you received any AC number? Your AC code, please. That is six numbers, please. Okay. But, okay, you said I should tell you what it is. We, we are verifying it for you. Please, so that I can bring you to the office, please. With your camera card, that is all, please. But the message says, do not share. about it is that there are basic things. Some red flag, one of the red flags is that you want something. Red flag. Immediately somebody tells you one, it's a red flag. And that one about, I have sent you some number. Ah, another red flag. To care this, government has since 2022 made it compulsory for every SIM card user to link it to their gun card for one major reason. By tying each SIM card to a verified identity, government sought to create a system that could thwart fraudulent activities, protect users, and maintain the integrity of financial transactions. The need for re-registration of SIM cards is obvious. There are a lot of cyber crimes that are committed by people on um, our networks with our mobile money system there's a lot of impersonation identity theft out there so for security reasons it is imperative that we register our sim cards people of all ages endured days of frustrating queues to obtain their ghana card the mandatory document for the sim card re-registration exercise subsequently they faced further frustration spending additional hours in another line to link their SIM cards to the acquired Ghana card. I believe if they can do something about it, because there are, there are a lot of people behind me. However, despite the well-intentioned move, the cyber criminals are undeterred. They found ways. So now what happens? Generally, some of the new ways that you know you and I are entitled to 10 numbers that we can register a maximum. So they will see a few of our... Friends who do not really understand what these things mean. Give them some 20 CDs. And then they'll go with them and they'll go register the SIMs in their names. Some SIM card subscribers believe that some employees within the telecom companies collude with fraudsters sharing the personal information of their subscribers. This shared information, they believe, is then exploited against the unsuspecting subscriber. I think there are some people in the office, in the MCN office, that works with those scammers. But sometimes, how they even get your number and everything is strange. Despite the initial challenges posed by mobile money fraud, telecom companies maintain the belief that integrating the Ghana cards with SIM cards will ultimately prove instrumental in eliminating fraudulent activities. Subscribers earnestly hope for a more robust and responsive telecom service when addressing their content related to mobile money.
particularly in handling and resolving complaints. For Joy News, Michael Ashale. Now the Supreme Court has set the 10th of April to deliver its judgment on whether or not the Food and Drugs Authority's ban on celebrities' endorsement of alcoholic beverages is legal. The FDA in 2015 banned celebrities and well-known personalities from participating in alcoholic beverage advertisement, citing concerns about the protection of minors from alcohol-related influences. But the plaintiff, Mark Dalenting Osai, is challenging the prohibition placed on them by the FDA, insisting it unfairly targets the creative art industry, depriving them of a significant income stream. Richard Kwajonyako was in court and has more in this report. The plaintiff, Mark Dalenting Osai, is before the Supreme Court challenging FDA's prohibition on the advertisement of alcoholic beverages by celebrities as well as well-known personalities. According to the FDA, children believe what celebrities put out and anything they are associated with, and allowing celebrities and well-known personalities to endorse or advertise alcoholic beverages will endanger the lives of children. But the plaintiff says the stance of the FDA is unconstitutional and should be struck down by the courts. According to the plaintiff, the FDA's ban is in contravention to Articles 17.1 and 17.2 of the 1992 Constitution. The said articles, the plaintiff says, safeguard equality before the law and prohibit discrimination based on social or economic status, race and occupation, among others. Mr. Osai, the plaintiff says, should the ban of the FDA be allowed to stay, it would significantly affect the creative arts industry. The court, after listening to the submission of both parties, i.e. the plaintiff and the FDA and the Attorney General, on the other hand, set the 10th of April to deliver its judgment. The celebrities are hoping for a win-win judgment by the Apex Courts. Judge Quay spoke on behalf of the plaintiff. Um, the judgment does not win has gone our way. So um, we are just being hopeful that um, they would hear us because this is an industry that doesn't just thrive on the works that we put out there. Some of these collaborations with corporate institutions, some of these... Uh, the populist far-right Alternative for Germany Party, or AFD, reached a new high of 24% in a recent poll, which is fueling discussions about the extent of far- and extreme-right sentiment within German society and how best to confront it. We'll cross over to Emily Schuthers with our partners, the DW, for more on this. Emily, how close is the AFD to power in Germany, and what does the party stand for? Well, the latest poll that we saw had the AFD at 24%, which is the highest that we've ever seen it. And we really have seen over the last couple of months uh, a, a significant surge in, in the party's support. Now, it's difficult to say whether that uh, that would translate to any sort of power on the national level. I think there's still uh, a significant taboo to a party like the AFD being part of the national government. But what we're seeing, particularly in eastern Germany, where the party is strongest, you're starting to see them winning local level elections, mayoral elections, um, and with, with some state elections in these states on the horizon later this year, there is the potential that they could be involved in a state-level government. So it's it's not yet at a position, and, and likely won't be for, for a long time, that, that they would be at national-level power, but there are reasons for concern at the local and state level. And this is a party that was founded in 2013, originally as a Eurosceptic party, uh, but the issue that they have really made their own over the years has been uh, hardline anti-immigration, anti-refugee sentiments, and that is very much the cornerstone of, of their policy here in Germany. Now, what would the AFD's plans be if they were to lead the government? 
Well, that is among other policies. At the moment, they are they are pushing back against the government uh, on on issues like inflation and rising energy prices. But but this anti-refugee sentiment has long been kind of their main focus. And part of the reason that that is that is in the headlines right now is that there was a report out recently showing that members of the AFD took part in a meeting near Berlin where they talked about even more radical plans for what to do with people of foreign origin in, in Germany, including the idea that they would deport uh, millions of people with foreign origin, including some that have German passports. And so that was not an official party statement, but members of the party were involved in those plans, and it sort of illustrates the extent to which there are quite extreme positions within this party uh, and and deeper undercurrents of that, that extreme view than, than you see necessarily in the party's public statements. I'm sure they'll have a lot of these foreigners not agree with them. But you mentioned earlier that the AFD was formed in 2013, but has made some grounds. How is Germany dealing with the rise of the AFD? Really difficult challenge to tackle and, and question for Germany because this is a democratically elected party that is at times uh, issuing rhetoric and, and statements that, that seem to be quite anti-democratic. And so what do you do with a party that right now is being supported by approximately a quarter of the German electorate? And, you know, there are some constitutional protections in place that can be used against a party like this, whether it's having the domestic intelligence service uh, surveil them, whether it's even banning a party, although I think that's that's not a position that we're in at the moment. There are discussions about whether something like that could happen in the future, but but I think it would be quite difficult to do. Um, but right now what we're seeing is that there are protests against the party, particularly in the wake of this news uh, about this this meeting and these, these sort of secret plans. Um, but it is kind of a, a crucial question in Germany, German society right now is what can be done to combat some of these sentiments and to combat the momentum for this party. Let's see how that uh, goes. Well, this is the Joe News Prime. We'll take a quick break. I'll bring you showbiz. Please stay. Whether it's 1924, 2024, or 2124, we've always known that you are driven by your sense of safety and well-being. It is what drives us too to see you through from start to finish, from small to big. And in the last 100 years, as you have evolved, so have we also expanded to serve you in many ways. From cradle to grave, with expertise in insurance, life, pensions, properties, health, and for those beautiful, memorable goodbyes. It's 2024, and in all our markets, our pedigree is recognized, our strength respected, our expertise valued, and our solutions sought by all who desire an advantage in life. Experience the time-tested and truly trusted 100 years legacy of Ghana's oldest insurer. Take charge of your future now. Insurance, life, pensions, property management, funeral services, health insurance. Enterprise, your advantage. 
it's time to get stepping. Because if you upgrade your DSTV subscription now, we'll step you up to an even higher package. Respect that. Upgrade now and step up to even more action. Step up to more football. Step up to more local drama. Step up to more fun and get more than you pay for. Upgrade now and get boosted to the next package at no extra cost. Visit your multi-choice branch or agent and upgrade to step up and get boosted. Investment Limited. Welcome back. Time for us to do showbiz and Jacqueline. That's my boys here. Yeah? Hi, Jackie. Hi, Kuchu. What's on the table? All right. Now, Ghana's music industry boasts of numerous popular artists. Nevertheless, there's a pool of exceptionally talented individuals who may not be in the limelight, but equally as impressive as the main mainstream artists we know today. As the movement to promote Ghanaian music gains momentum, it has become important to delve into the works of these artists. This is a piece by Nasiba Yakubu. Music is diverse and not only broadens our horizon, but also contributes to a more comprehensive understanding of Ghana's vibrant and diverse music landscape. Let's begin with Reynold the Gentleman, the mastermind behind manifested track Minua. No, you read in the blogs. I've been on these tours. In 2019, he released the album Bitter Switch, which unfolds the intricate journey of love and relationship and caters to the sentiment of those deeply in love and heartbroken and everyone navigating the spaces in between. She's a diva, 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 diva. My friend, Odavi, ah, ah, ah. My friends don't know what has come. Now, boy, Jake. Before joining Lynx Entertainment, Boy Jake introduced himself to the music scene with amazing tracks. If you ever hesitated to listen to Boy Jake's piece, this is the perfect opportunity. Ria Boss, this talent is a force to reckon with. While Afrobeat dominate the music scene, Josh Black's highlight songs offer a delightful escape for those seeking a break from the usual. Chiwa is not your average vocalist. Her distinctive style, reminiscent of Asa, deviates from the prevalent Afrobeat, paving the way for a refreshing blend of high-like and alternative music while carving a niche for herself. What do you think about these artists? Nasiba Yakubu's report read to you. Hope I think that they see.
Well, we have many and more, many more of these artists who are not mainstream artists. Now, for nine years, she has led Ghanaians to a wonderful time in worship, praise, and thanksgiving with her Awake Experience concert. Well, the Awake Experience concert will be 10 years this year. This year's event will see performances from Nigeria's Mercy Chinwo, Daughters of Glorious Jesus, for the Accra edition, and Akesa Brimpong, Kofi Owusu-Pepra, and SP Kofi Sapon, for the Kumasi edition, my colleague IB was at the launch, which was held last night at the Holiday Inn Hotel and has more in this report. The Awake Experience by Diana Hamilton is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year in Kumasi in Accra. And it's going to be an all-women affair in Accra on the 18th of February and all-men affair in Kumasi on the 25th of February. At the launch, this is how some of the patrons have experienced the Awake Experience. The experience has been awesome all the time. I mean, when you see her minutes of the shows um, at Sakumono, the church, the ICDC church at Sakumono, the experience is just awesome. And I'm just looking forward to another one. I'm, I believe that it's going to be even greater at the 10th anniversary of the, of the event. And I'm looking forward to that. It's been great all the time. Um, it grows each year, and I would say my experience with awake is always going there and then learning something. So that has been it. I've been on only, I think two, three times. This is this will be my third time. Um, I've done Accra, I've done Kumasi, and um, we're going back to Kumasi. Yeah, and. I've seen Diana do it back to back for 10 good years, a decade of um, experience. And for me, I just want to congratulate her um, for keeping the fire burning, keeping the work going. 10 good years. So why will Diana Hamilton have in Accra an all-women affair and in Kumasi an all-men affair? And listen, but when we realize what we might as we thought we might as well just let it look as though we planned it like that. <laughs> we didn't plan it, no. So you know when I was saying the strategically thing that that I don't know, we didn't plan it. But when we realized it was like that, it's like okay, oh. God must be up to something. He has a sense of humor. Oh, okay. So it was after you decided on that. Yeah. Before you got you to realize that, that you know what? Only men, I cry is only women. Mm. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Doing of the Lord, indeed. It's the doing of the Lord. <laughs> what has been your experience out of this 10-year experience? That not to limit my God. That when it looks impossible, that's when I know that he's up to something. Like this song, for instance. Almost gave up on filming it, blah de blah de blah But see what God is doing with it. So, yeah. Never limits my God. What's your patron's experience on the 10th? Great, both um, and, and Accra, amazing things. Don't limit the God that we serve. If you've been to every, every, every experience, you know that every experience is better than the former, and that's what God does. Oh, just as she said, every experience is better than the former. Now, could you exciting news? You remember Global Citizen Festival, right? Yeah, well, it returns to Ghana now in a spectacular revelation. The Global Citizen is back to Ghana. Now, they posted this earlier. It's making a triumphant return to the vibrant streets of Accra, Ghana. Now, the official um, 
they posted on their page that Accra to you, Mrs. Um, you have some good news for you. So to go, together with Nana Kufuado, they will be bringing this year's event back to Ghana and also in collaboration with um, Rwanda. So citizens, uh, very expectant of this. Could you, I hope you'll be attending. Let's see. Well, the official date is not yet out, but we hope that it will be out soon so that people can prep out for that. Okay, and that's it for uh, Johnish Prime. There's more news on myjawonline.com. Up next is Prime Business with Emma Davis. Please do have a great evening. Decades, we have helped businesses connect with their trade partners all over the globe. From Ghana to Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands, and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. We have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. With our cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you, making life simple. That is who we are, as close as a partner. Bank of Africa, we are indeed the African bank with the global reach. Segment is brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. It's time you switch to Bell Park today. now with me, Emma Davis. Government is expected to formally open negotiations with eurobond holders and commercial creditors in London on Monday, January 21st. The engagement will target institutional investors that are holding these financial instruments. Government is seeking to restructure about $13 billion worth of debts as it is proposing up to 40% interest rate cut. 
Finance Minister Ken Oferiata admits this negotiation will be a tough one for Ghana. You know the, the bilateral, the, the stock of debt is about what, 5.1 billion, uh, which in the euro bond is about 13 billion or so. So maybe um, a third of it. Um, the issue of comparability of treatment, you remember Zambia had a deal with the OCC and then um, they were uncomfortable with the deal that they struck um, with the, the Eurobond um, investors. Uh, I think ours is a little different. The Eurobond investors have a lot more at stake um, than that. Um, I think what we are going to gain is a sense of wind in our sails and just a momentum um, that the country um, is, is moving forward, has turned the corner, and therefore what is their part in making sure that with the sacrifices the country has made with the flow program and um, the MPP hit that the bilaterals would do, what then is our part uh, in that? I remember, I guess in um, December, October, I, I did tell um, the Eurobond investors that we are looking at about 25 to 40% cut. Um, we'll work with, within that. A lot of them who thought it was too steep of a cut. Right, so then it, it, it sets a platform for us to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And what we have done um, with um, OCC would also help with that. What we did um, with Ghanaian um, domestic investors will also help. But I, I think we've created you know, an environment that really is conducive for discussions uh, in a way that is ennobling. Um, so I'm expecting um, that we will all negotiate in good faith, um, looking at the country coming back um, quicker uh, than later. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a good time, it's historic, and we need to acknowledge that ours then, uh, as a government ministry of finance, um, is to work in good faith with these um, investors. You tried to explain to me that, yes, the negotiations hasn't ended, even though there's been some preliminary deal reached with yeah. them. It means that you could still continue engaging them and maybe pushing further? With regards to the OCC? The OCC yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, because the memorandum of understanding has to be signed. Uh, and that then will encapsulate, you know, um, issues that we need to think a bit more deeply about. Um, to make sure that it is successful. But we, we were at every turn, uh, George, as you have seen, uh, we have been victorious, and the country has moved forward, and that will continue. Um, we have had discussions um, with um, Eurobond investors, uh, some of the larger um, creditors, and, and there's, there's goodwill. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll continue uh, to benefit from our forthrightness, the integrity that we have shown um, through this very difficult process. When are you hoping to uh, sign this uh, MOU, or has it been done already? No, it hasn't been done. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we really hope that um, uh, we would in the coming um, two weeks or so. There's more on these issues on PM Express Business Edition this Thursday at 9 p.m. The Ghana Association of Banks has warned the public not to take photos of their Ghana card or any bank cards and share with persons purported to be working with a bank. According to the association, bank customers must desist from sending pictures of items that reveal identity numbers and bank accounts to prevent fraud and scams. Never send a picture of your Ghana card or any of your bank cards 
such as debit, visa, and MasterCard via WhatsApp to anyone purporting to be working from your bank. If in doubt, contact your bank or relationship manager directly, the statement said. In recent times, there have been an increase in fraudulent activities in the financial sector, leading to loss of money. The Bank of Ghana has already directed banks to improve cybersecurity to curb the growing canker. The banks have also assured the public of tightening security to expose such acts. Ultimately, it is expected that the general public will be vigilant and also report such cases to the appropriate authorities. Now, beverage consumers should brace themselves for significant higher beverage prices in 2024. In a recent interview with Joy Business, chairman of the Food and Beverages Association of Ghana, John Awuni, painted a gloomy picture for the beverage industry, citing crippling taxes as a driving force behind a projected 50% to 100% price increase in the first and second quarters of the year 2024. My outlook is that it's going to be quite very, very challenging, very difficult for the industry, considering the fact that the government has gone further to confirm the issues of the consumer, confirm the issues of the business sector by first introduction of the carbon and emissions tax on the businesses largely affected by ECG, ECG emits carbon, so ECG prices will go up because they are to bear those carbon emissions tax by themselves. You are aware that the tax on carbon is 100 cities per ton. And so, assuming you are emitting a, a 10,000 or whatever number, you will multiply by 1,000 cities. You are also very much aware that VAT has also been introduced uh, in, uh, in the, by, by the government for the domestic consumers. And uh, clearly, that to affect the consumer, that the income of the consumer will come back to live as it will employ it to increase. And then also, even coming back to the carbon emissions tax, we also have vehicle income tax that has been raised at 100 cities, said at 100 cities on each vehicle. And so, the same uh, companies that will pay the carbon emissions tax, largely the manufacturing sector, is going to be seriously affected. Institute will affect them as a company because they emit serious carbon. And then the manufacturing sector that have boilers will also be affected. So they will pay this carbon emissions tax. They will also pay taxes for the vehicles, the fleet of vehicles that they own. And so this all, all this is going to be transferred to the consumer. And then the issue of the COVID levy is still maintained in our tax books, and that is still going to be passed on to the consumer. We also have. The, 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 the growth and sustainability that's still in there and that's still going to be The city has started sliding from 12 to 12.5 and going down and that's going to be that's going to affect because business will now have to think about recovery rates and those prices will go up and that's going to be transferred to the consumer. Still with businesses, the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry has urged its members to embrace value addition in their operations to stay relevant this election year. According to the Chamber, engaging members on the numerous opportunities in the economy, despite its associated uh, challenges, is critical to the sustenance of these businesses. There is more in this report. Meeting offered an opportunity to members of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry to brainstorm and be strategic on how to stay afloat this 
election year. Explaining the rationale for the engagement, Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the Chamber, Nana Ejinim Watson, said the meeting will position its members, take advantage of the economic opportunities in the country, and thrive despite its associated challenges. Good opportunity for the private sector to also do what? Grow. That is, there will be more jobs, that is purchasing, there will be more contracts, and, and whatever we can think of, product services that government will acquire, because government is the biggest buyer in our economy. And as such, it's imp- this meeting is important for us to position our members to take advantage of that big appetite of government. So for us, uh, today's meeting was to really dwell on value proposition. And value proposition is all about we preparing our, our, our members to differentiate their products and their services from the competition so that they will be able to take advantage of government's big appetite during every election year. Professor of Finance at the University of Ghana, Professor Vera Fiador, said it is imperative for every business to know what kind of business model they run in order to stay relevant. I think one of the key things is about what kind of business model you are running. Like we said in the presentation, a business is only successful when it can meet customer needs in a profitable manner. So if to be able to strategize, okay, strategy is all about how you intend to execute your aspirations for the coming season. So what is important first and what are the aspirations and what are they grounded on? Who are your customers? What do they really value? And how much are they ready to pay for that? If you have that kind of data, it makes it more easier to have some kind of strategy as to how to execute the plan. Because if you don't know who your customers are, nobody can produce a product that is for everybody. So key is who are your customers? What do they really want or what do they really need? For which reason you can curate your value proposition. On his part, President of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Dr. Clement Sayamuakum stated that Although the macroeconomic indicators are showing signs of recovery, government must be physically prudent to sustain the economic growth being recorded. The year 2024 is going to be quite challenging, but we expect it to be better than 2023. Um, we saw that um, 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 the cost of funds have started coming down, and we have also realized that inflation is also dropping down. Now we need to work on the exchange rates. And we want to forecast that the exchange rate might not move far beyond 14. I believe that the exchange rate is fundamental because you need to forecast into the future with every business that you do. And so if you are able to know that it's going to run between specific margins, it helps you to plan your businesses. I see this year to be better. The only difficulty that I have is that because it's an election year, I don't know how government will prudently spend its money. But I'm glad the IMF has come to sit with us. And so nobody misbehave and, you know, throw, spend money on elections, etc. And I believe that if that is done and curtailed. The meeting saw the introduction of new members. Senior manager with accounting advisory services at KPMG, Stephen Birche, is urging small and medium enterprises to set up operational policies that would safeguard their working capital. According to him, this would help small businesses to maintain their working capital and give them good credentials that will aid them in acquiring loans from banks and other financial institutions. Limited access to capital 
because they are SMEs, they will not be able to raise capital on on the stock exchange and other big marketplaces. They result in using friends' money or limited funds. Again, because they have limited funds and they are SMEs, they don't have track records that suppliers or banks can leverage or rely on to give them money if they want. And that has been a challenge. Even those that the big suppliers, when they are giving them money because they don't have that capacity, they try to squeeze them. Another one has to be with fluctuations, seasonal fluctuations. Because there are SMEs, at times they, they can have a, a lot of demand, at times the demand will go down. And when that happens, it affects how they do things. If you cast your mind back even to uh, COVID era, yeah. there are a number of SMEs that were not be able to operate because there were no business. Demand went down drastically. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next one also happened to be um, dependence on fewer suppliers and customers. When you, uh, you have one or limited supplier, whatever the supplier says, that's what you do. Okay. And then limited I mean, customers. And when there is a change in demand or when the customer changes this, I mean, you, moves from you, it becomes a challenge for you. you know? Yeah, so we'll conclude because you have just a minute. Um, just give us some of the strategies that um, can help us effectively manage our working capital. So I'll divide the strategy into two. One, general strategy and maybe specific strategy. One, if you are doing, managing your working capital, you should have a policy in place. Okay. And you should assign responsibility, roles and responsibilities to people who are, you are assigning to. Okay. Then what they should ensure that the policies are being operationalized. Now, we, as I spoke about components of working capital management, so the strategy should be also aligned to each of them. So if you pick inventory, because of time, so if you pick inventory, you make sure that you, are, you assess the creditworthiness of your um, customers before you give it out. Now, government says it is working to establish a refinery for manganese produced in Ghana soon. According to Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, Samuel Jinapo, government, in collaboration with the Ghana Manganese Company, has kick-started engagements and processes to explore various avenues to add value to manganese in the country. You are speaking at the Ghana Chamber of Mines breakfast meeting. Value addition generally. We are working around the clock to secure a London Bullion Marketing Association certification for our refineries established here in Ghana. We are also working with the Ghana Manganese Company to establish a refinery for the manganese we produce here in Ghana. Uh, we were in China last year, as you may be aware, and we've negotiated with the parent company of Ghana Manganese Company, TMI, for them to invest some 400 million United States dollars in constructing a refinery in our country and ultimately ensure that we no longer export our manganese in their raw form. And indeed, we also continue to work on local content and local participation through a period 
consultation with the Ghana Chamber of Mines and as well as our quest to ensure that Ghanaian mining companies list on the Ghana Stock Exchange. And we take the view that it is only through the listing of mining operations or companies on the Ghana Stock Exchange that we can um, create here in our country indigenous participation in the mining industry of our country, which will ensure that whatever prosperity or profits uh, arise out of this industry is shared and participated in by Ghanaians. And so we are working with the Ghana Chamber of Mines to have a situation where mining companies list on the Ghana Stock Exchange. That is how uh, it was done in South Africa. That's what, how it's been done in China. That's how it's been done in Australia and Canada and the rest. These countries insist on the listing of mining companies on their various or respective national stock exchanges. And we want to do the same here. But we want to do that in close collaboration with the Ghana Chamber of Mines so we don't disturb the investment climate in our country. That'll be all for Prime Business tonight. I am Emma Davis. For more business news, do log on to myjoyonline.com. I leave you with international business. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. It's time you switch to Bell Park today.
Bible stories, you've probably never heard of them before. If you are better than the coach, then you should have been the coach. Have you ever knelt down to beg a coach to take Solomon Tari to it? Yes. In 2010, I did it. Miller asked from, you to sign for his from, agent and you refused? Yes. Mufti, at, at that point, nobody wants to come and play for the Blasters. Since 2008, semi-finals, finals, semi-finals, finals. If we continue like this, I can assure you and I can bet you. Everything happened negative concerning the team. It's me. What is deeper poor? With my experience, it's a no-go area. We've come across a lot of featherweights, a lot of featherweights, and uh, the double do not match them at all. First of all, I think the gym BA itself need a lot of schooling. Expecting to lead the charge. Is elected? Is it a Ghana football will crumble? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, indeed. If that is what is in his mind, then tell him he should stop it. They have to clean their heads. When the voice is Zamata in Ghana Sports Speak, they speak here on Prime Take every Saturday at 7.30 p.m. on Joy News. Illegal mining continues to destroy our lands and waters. We are getting some cases of young people whereby they come with difficulty in breathing and cough. We find that they have extensive damage to their lungs and they tend to be people who come from communities that are involved in illegal mining. From January 12th, we continue the fight against illegal mining in our communities. It's the Poisoned for Gold Community Talk. Join Erastus Asaridonko as we engage the people of Samreboy about the dangers of illegal mining. So can't you see? One piece and one piece of sweat. You know that makes me like that. I your chest. So can't you see? Safety in my consulting room with what I'm seeing? Of course, no. However, once we are mandated to give services, we have to sit under such conditions to be able to render services to less privileged. So safety, I'll say no. You say you know the season we lose in the rain. Why we be the slaves? We don't have paracetamol in our health center. So if you come, we write for you to go to the drugstore and buy. We always fill the claims. They go, they don't give us the medications. Uh, when we do the requisition, they normally they give us sometimes few. Uh, the few they give us sometimes one week, they are finished. Sports segment. Is brought to you by Commander DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries. Hello, welcome to Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbao, and the African Cup of Nations tournament is still underway in Ivory Coast. And the final round of the first, uh, final round of the first round of games in the groups have come to, almost coming to an end uh, with uh, Group F taking place today and it was the Atlas Lions of Morocco who defeated Tanzania by three goals to nil. Tanzania were a man down and the Atlas Lions of Morocco managed to take advantage and increase the lead by two goals after taking the lead earlier. Kami and Yaya of Yanga as we are underway. Miroshi as well. Ziyech! He can't handle it, it's an opening goal 
technical ability and even better technique from Ziyech. He knew that if he thumps it as hard as possible, it's always coming. Referee brandishes another yellow and it's a second one for Maroshi. And they're down to 10 men. You could see this coming because there were so many yellow cards that the referee was flashing. Play that physical game and another of these dangerous uh, scything challenges, Amanda. Yep, he tried to really pull out of the tackle, but it was already too late. Siesh, lovely exchange once again. Unahi! Seeing those triangles, Hakimi getting involved. Nahi, that's the flair, that's the finesse. Look at it back again. Nahi, the scorer. And Rafa came in. He was onside. Nahi with a great pass to Hakimi. It was just too quick, maybe for the linesman to witness as well. But a great move from the Moroccans. It has been given. Yeah. <laughs> what a strange run of events because the substitutions came. Amrabat. And uh, Gassouni. Let's see what they can do from here. Oh, he spills it too. Does well, Ganus. Stopped by Manula. Well, in the other action involving Zambia and DR Congo is currently one all in that uh, final action in Group F. Well, earlier today, too, and ahead of the game against Egypt, the head coach of the senior national team, the Black Stars, held a press conference today where he intimated that the team needs to raise their level against Egypt to stand any chance of securing a victory. The Black Stars lost to Cape Verde in their first game on Sunday and will be looking to enhance their chances of advancing beyond the group stage in their game against Egypt on Thursday. We know we are up against. We are up against um, a very good, experienced uh, team that, of course, are used to doing very well in this uh, competition. You know, our, um, our responsibilities are, um, and I know we speak about some... Um, looking forward but our responsibilities are to assess in our last game where we should have done better the areas that we should have done better and to make sure that we can improve going into the next game our level has to be higher we are um, playing on paper on paper a, a very good side uh, a better team so we know that our levels of of Got to be better, um, but I think the 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 biggest the biggest motivation for the players uh, is that um, we are here. We didn't get the result we needed in the first game. This is the motivation we need for the second game. We want to do well in this competition. This is the motivation that we need for this game. Uh, we are up against a big team. 
successful team in, in Egypt. This is the, the motivation. And, and probably more than anything is um, we are aware of expectations. We have a, a, a wonderful support behind us and, and always do. And um, there isn't uh, one player in the squad. And uh, Jordan's here having played in AFCONs before and represented Ghana for so, so many years. There isn't one player in this squad that isn't aware of what this game means. And um, they're the biggest motivations that we can give to the players. Um, so just a, an update on uh, Mohamed. Uh, Mohamed Kudas is, uh, as most uh, are aware, he joined um, camp later than, uh, than anybody else because of uh, an injury that he sustained in his last game for, for West Ham. Uh, we will continue to assess him. We, we have today and uh, tomorrow morning to assess. He has trained. He has trained the last, uh, the last few days. Um, but we will assess him, as I say, today uh, and tomorrow and make, uh, make a decision tomorrow. Well, with, and now the uh, Black Stars forward, Jordan Ayew, also spoke at a press conference where he indicated that the team it remains committed and confident of recovering from their opening day defeat to Kivet to claim the maximum point against the Pharaoh. Now, Ghana face Egypt in their second group game after their late collapse against Kivet and will be hoping to turn around their fortunes. The Black Stars were hoping to avoid a defeat, a repeat of the 2021 AFCON performance when they failed to win again in the group stage, losing two and drawing the other. Jordan Ayew. The most important thing for us is to come back, stay focused, be as a team, and show different qualities that we have, and be more aggressive in every department, and we'll be fine. I've put up even the, the boys, the, the staff, are working really hard, and I know that tomorrow will be a, a really good day for us and for Ghana, so I'm really confident, and yeah. Everyone that plays football is bread and butter and uh, everyone gives his 100%. Sometimes things go your way, sometimes things don't go your way. But I think um, we need to do more, that's for sure. And we are ready to do more and we are going to do more. So nobody should, should worry about that. And tomorrow is a big day and we know that it's a big day and we know how, how much it means to Ghanaians. And for we ourselves personally, we want to we didn't just come here just to, to visit Abidjan, we came here to, to perform well. So we'll see tomorrow and we're ready, we're ready and you cannot, I wouldn't agree when people say people lack commitment or no, no one lacks commitment. Everyone is fully committed, just that sometimes things go away, things go away, but I need to force things. And tomorrow we're going to force things and we'll see after that. So that's Jordan Ayew there speaking ahead of that game against Egypt tomorrow. Crucial game. Fifi Manfred uh, is my colleague with Insura Sports in Kumasi. And he joins me via Zoom for some uh, preview to that game tomorrow. Fifi, thank you so much for making time. I mean, just tell me straightforward, what uh, does the Black Star need to do to stand any chance of picking all the three points against Egypt? Um, thank you very much, Ms. Bao. Um, good evening to your viewers. 
I, I think that, first of all, you listen to Jordan Ayu and he talks about the fact that they have commitment and, of course, football is their bread and butter. Mm. But what the average Ghanaian is not um, seeing is the commitment that he speaks about. Mm. If you look at the teams that have gone to to talk some of the traditional big team sites on their continent, that's why in the competition, they have shown a lot of metal and you see it in their gameplay. Mm-hmm. We saw it yesterday when the Malians played against the South Africa. You saw it when the Mauritanians they played. So we want to see battles. We want to see them going into battles and winning them. Mm-hmm. It's important. When we played in that game against the Cape Verdes, we were losing a lot of the 50-50 balls. Our defensive midfielder, Babai Bishu, was losing those balls a lot of the time in central areas. Yeah. You would want to see that injection of aggression mm-hmm. and then the ability to go into duels, mm-hmm. winning those duels. And then that is going to give them momentum to be able to go ahead and try and win the game. So it's important. We want to see that commitment. We want to see that dwelling ability. And then we want to see the fact that they want to be competitive tomorrow against the Egyptians. Well, Chrisitan um, gave us an update on Mohamed Kudus. It does appear that it's uncertain if he will be available for selection in the game against Egypt. And it does also look like that even if he, he will be available, we're likely to see him play the entire duration of the game. Um, is this going to affect us in any way? And in the event he is, uh, you know, unavailable, what could be the best strategy for the Black Stars against Egypt? Um, first of all, if you look at um, the reports that we're having from West Ham when Kudus got um, initially got injured, we heard it was a hamstring injury. And Mosbao, you and I know hamstring injuries are very stubborn. We look at players like Rhys James who go back and forth. Um, it's because of hamstring injury. So he wants to be careful. And I think that's, the, that's what the technical team would want to do. He could lose himself, his entourage, and then the, the technical team would want to be careful because if you go and aggravate the situation, um, and if we are not even going into the next year of the competition, well, that's the word. That's a big question that Kudus and his entire would have to answer. But he's an important player for the Black Stars. Again, he's a player that we, when he's out of our team, we see some shortfalls, but we have the needed skill set to be able to play a different game without Mohamed Kudus. So, in the first game that we played, we played against the Cape Verdes. We played a double pivot, one very, very ball sided, that is Majid Ashikaru, mm-hmm. and then Baba Idrisu, who wasn't who wasn't the, the best player on the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, in a game against Egypt, we have the chance of playing two players who are excellent in terms of progression so that we can have control of the ball with and without it. Also, if you look at how Ransford Yewa Kenesdofa was used in the game against Kibbert, where he wasn't a good receiver in between the lines. It was a, it was a big issue for us. Now, we've seen Jordan Ayu sometimes play behind the striker. Mm-hmm. We can play um, Ernesto Pianuyama on the left Keep your John, uh, your jo- Joseph Pinto on the right. Then you play Jordan and you in between the lines behind the striker so that he can receive the ball in there. One of the biggest issues that we had with Connors Dafa in the first half was he wasn't able to receive the ball in between the lines. And that's Kudus's um, stock in trade. Mm. He's able to receive the ball in between the lines on the half space and the half turn, mm. then make something happen. In mm. terms of his ball carrying ability, we can um, augment that with the ability of Majid Ashimaru and then. Chris Hitchin should ask Magida Shimeru to do a lot of the ball carry. He should not just play the short one-time passes, but then he should be able to carry the ball up top like Mohamed Kudus does if Kudus is able to start tomorrow. So, Andrew Jordan, are you in between the lines to receive behind the striker? Then Ashimeru doing more of the ball carry. Then we can keep the weight um, with Joseph Pinto, Nyama, uh, or even Osman Bukari, who are very good at it. Then we keep our maxed man in the box. It's important. All the teams that have gone on to win games in this upcoming have had maximum. Even look at teams like Algeria, 
who had Bollinger. An excellent marksman. The first few minutes, he had scored two goals. Yes, the second one didn't start, but you tell that it's important to get an outlet in there. Mm. You go back and you look at the Malians, there's an outlet. You look at the Senegalese, you look at the, the Ivorians. There's always a marksman. There's always a box presence in there. You need a box presence so that our wingers can also send in the crosses. So um, we have the materials to go toe-to-toe with the Egyptians, even without Mohamed Kudus tomorrow. Great, uh, Fifi, thank you very much. Well, uh, Mufta has joined us, but Mufta, we understand there is uh, an urgent press conference happening at the NPP headquarters, which we have to pick right away. As for this was, the party conducted vetting in 21 vetting centers in 15 regions in our country. And the vetting committee made several recommendations to National Executive Committee. Per analysis of the outcome of the vetting, the various vetting centers, 373 men and women picked forms to contest as parliamentary candidate for us, the new patriotic party, in constituencies where we have sitting members of parliament. Per the recommendation by the voting committee, out of the 373, 11 were disqualified, 326 were qualified, Two were referred to NEC, two stepped down, 29 went unopposed. Incomplete form, we had one. No appearance, we had two, making it 373. But that was not the final decision by the party. There were some referrals to the National Appeals Committee established by the party based on the decision by the vetting committee. Today, the National Executive Committee took the report from the vetting committee and the National Appeals Committee and also took notice of some development after the vetting. So as it stands now, we have total number of 376 men and women who picked forms to contest. The new development is that we have one court case. The party has been served with a writ and also an application for interlocutory injunction with respect to Inshayeso. And for that matter, Elections in Inshayasu constituency has been stand down until the court process has been addressed. For the number of people who have been disqualified from contesting in the primaries scheduled for 27 January are 17. Those who have been cleared to contest by the National Executive Committee are 325 those who have stepped down are three. 
those who are going unopposed are 30. So in all, we have 376. The details will be made available through the press release the National Party will issue any moment from now. The National Executive Committee also talked about Martha pending in Sunyani East. As you may recall, the High Court and all the album of Sunyani East constituency. So today, upon several deliberations by the National Executive Committee, and in our attempt to ensure peace and stability in Sunyani East constituency, the National Executive Committee has directed that the constituency album that existed in 2018, which has the polling station executives, is the album that we are going to use in this current dispensation. And where people have died or people have traveled, the National Party, in consultation with the regional party and the committee that has been established, will do elections in those uh, vacant positions. Again, the National Executive Committee shall appoint people to act as acting electoral area coordinators and acting constituency executive to further notice. Finally, I'll go back to the Inshiaeso uh, constituency that I made a statement. That's the update from the NPP National Executive Council meeting on their primaries there. And that's what we draw the curtains on tonight's edition of Johnny's Prime. Do have a lovely evening. Have an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 